I just wanted to uh, kind of do a um, kind of a, a run through of where we've been. We're talking about the second mile, and uh, this is we're talking actually about the Sermon on the Mount. So it's Matthew chapters five through seven, and here's what I know: second mile is where you want to be. Like you can see in that picture up there, it looks scary, and you know you wonder if you're going to fall off the cliff. But I'm telling you, the second mile is where you want to be. It's where you want to be. So that's kind of a, a summary. We are, as our vision for a church is we are transformed by the good news of Jesus. That's why it's so, unport, it's so important for us to understand who he is, understand what he came to do. And that's what you see in this message. And then we can be a transforming influence for Jesus. Remember at the end, you know, right after this, and we're going to be talking about this in a few weeks, he says, I want you to be salt and light. Salt and light changes things. And what he said is, he said, if you're not changing things, like if you're just, you know, out there and you're not salt, or if you're hiding your light someplace, he says, you've lost the plot because we are supposed to be able to have a good influence wherever we go. Okay? Uh, remember we talked about this last week? You feed an appetite, what happens? It grows. Doesn't make any difference what the appetite is. If it's sex, alcohol, or, or whatever it is, you feed an appetite and it grows. It will always grow. Okay? So, talked about that. We talked about the up and down, what happiness is in our culture. It's kind of like, well, you know, you get your first love and you get your first car, but there's always kind of the, the thing that goes down afterwards, right? You break up, first car. I remember I was in a parking lot on Highway 7, so I'm parked there, and this guy pulls up beside me in a Rolls Royce. So I looked at the Rolls Royce, and it had rust around the fenders. And I thought, yes, even Rolls Royces rust out. So, But what God wants for us, the happiness that he wants for us, it goes deeper than the up and downs of everyday life. So it's not like, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're happy, 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 happy all the time, you know, like the songs we used to sing. There, there is that happiness, but it goes deeper than that, and it's the joy that runs under the surface of life, okay? And we talked about this, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this today. You cannot acquire or consume or exercise your way to happiness. You can't do that, okay? Now, let me ask a question. Let me give you a story first, okay? So I came home from my second year in university and shaved off my beard, and I found another chin. And, um, and I realized that it wasn't because I pigged out the night before. That's not how you get double chins. You know, it's like a, it's a, it's a habit. And I realized throughout this year, like I'd just been going to the cafeteria, you know, porking it out. And so I had to do something about that, and I knew I wasn't going to lose the double chin by, you know, just having like one day of fasting and exercise. It doesn't work like that, does it? You look at, anybody here ever uh, gotten your credit card bill, and you open up the bill, and, and it's like you have pains in your heart, and you think, I can't pay this thing off. Anybody? Anybody ever have that happen? So you know that it, usually it didn't get there just like by going on one, you know, spending spree, unless you went to a Rolls-Royce dealership, okay? So you, it, it, you got that way one at a time, and it gets to the point where, you know, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And, you know, and the way to get out, it's not like, okay, well, we're going to just, you know, it's not like one good visa bill where you don't have zero balance is going to get you out of it. It's, these are the things that happen in life. And, and here's kind of the bottom line of what I'm going to be saying today. You plant your way into happiness. And you have to plant your way out of unhappiness. And it takes time. 
It's not like, you know, I can tell you this, you know, give this message and stuff, and you can go out here at 1230 today, and by 1 o'clock, it's like, bam, I'm happy. It takes time, and you have to apply what Jesus said about happiness and, what, and how deep it goes in your life. Now, we are told every single day that we are like one choice away from happiness. Anybody seen the, uh, it's the Toyota commercial, I think, you know, where they're looking at, they open up their garage door and there's all this junk in there. It's all stacked all over the place, you know. Say, so we got to do something about this. And so you know what they did. They go out and buy a new Toyota, you know, as if that's going to solve the problem. But we're get, we get that. We have people, strangers all the time who are paid to smile and paid to be happy telling us you need to do this to be happy. And you're a sucker if you believe it. Because you plant your way into happiness. Now, there's one of this, there's a passage that kind of summarizes the wisdom of the Bible on some of these issues. And it says this, it's found in the book of Galatians, and it says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man, and a woman I might add, reaps what he sows. You go through life, and you know, and you're planting corn and throwing it out the back window of your car and so on, or, you know, you're going to look behind, there's hopefully going to be some corn. You go through life and you plant poison ivy, guess what you're going to get? It's amazing, poison ivy. And the problem is sometimes, sometimes, you know, remember, I think it's Psalm 73, you know, this guy's having a bad day, you know, and he says, why do the wicked, wicked seem to get away with all they're doing, you know? And then he says, and then I, I visited kind of the temple of God and I saw the final thing and I realized that, you know, good doesn't sprout right away and evil doesn't sprout right away either. And so you just have to be careful what you plant. Now, um, the comforting thing is that if you, you know, if you've planted good stuff and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, good stuff's going to come. And, uh, and of course, the bad news is the bad stuff has a way of coming too, okay? Now, I want to ask you a question. Who in your life has the potential to sabotage your happiness? Have you ever watched uh, someone sabotage their own happiness? You, like, you can see it coming, you know? And it's like, you know, it's like a car accident in slow motion. And you, you say, oh, no, you're going to wreck. Well, it does happen. And that's, the, and that's the question I want to ask you. Like, Jesus made this statement. He said, the thief's purpose, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The thief's purpose, the bad shepherd, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And you think about that, to steal. Who in your life has the potential to steal the good stuff that's there? Who in your life has the potential to kill off your relationships? Who has the potential to destroy your life? You know who it is? Well, you saw them this morning when you looked in the mirror. I, I remember hearing a saying once, this guy said, if I could kick the person who has created so much sorrow in my life, I, would be, I wouldn't be able to sit for weeks. And that's just kind of the, the way it is. We have the potential, we have the potential to sabotage our own happiness, okay? Now, you know how I know that? I gave this formula a few weeks ago. You bought it, you leased it, you ate it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, you slept with it, and you maybe married it. 
We have the potential, you see. You know what the common denominator is there? It's me. It's you. We have the potential to do this kind of stuff to ourselves. Now, I think everybody wants what Jesus describes in this thing. He says, I have come to give you a rich and satisfying life. That's what happiness is. And, it's, and you, if you're familiar with the wording, it says abundant, I think, in the, in, the original, in the original language. You probably read this in the King James. And it's this life better than you could possibly imagine. And Jesus says, that's what I came to give. That's what I came to give. And I want you to think about happiness for a minute. It's way bigger than getting the new, latest new thing, isn't it? Um, I was thinking about that. Anybody remember these? They don't make cassettes, okay? They don't make cars that play them anymore, okay? They don't. So, uh, or anybody remember these? Remember Blockbuster, you know? Video, everybody go out and rent one, and it's like totally went out of business, right? Anybody, I couldn't find one. I threw all mine away. But anybody remember the floppy disks? Yeah, okay. See, you go, to, you go to, you know, a thrift store or to Value Village, and they're jammed with all this stuff. And it's stuff that people said, I, I need to have it. I got to have it, you know? And it's like, I got to get rid of it. And they, you know, take it off someplace and hope that somebody will buy it and they'll get some charity money out of it. That's the way life is. And I'm telling you, if you go for the bait, that's what's going to happen. If you're thinking, if I can get this, if I can acquire this, if I can do this, I'll be happy. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and that's what, I came to, that's what I came to give. Now, here's my point. Happiness is not created on some assembly line someplace, you know, where it comes along and you, and you find the right port, you know, or you fall into the right pit. It's like, ooh, voila, there's happiness, you know. It doesn't happen that way. That way. Happiness is something that you plant, and it takes time. It takes time. And unhappiness is also something that you, that you plant and if you've planted a bunch of unhappiness in your life, I'm telling you, it's going to take you some time to get out of it. It just does. Now, Jesus is the good shepherd. And the, and the song that is written about the good shepherd, and you probably remember this is Song 23 that David wrote, went platinum years ago, about 3,000 years ago. And it starts out by saying, listen to this, I have everything I need. I have everything I need. And you go back and say, well, why does this person have everything they need? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And Jesus is saying, I am that good shepherd. I was the one that gave you the capacity for pleasure. I was the one that gave you the capacity for happiness. And I know what both of them are. And here's the problem. If you get them mixed up, if you get them mixed up, that creates a lot of problems. Um, and here's the deal. Everybody follows a shepherd. Did you know? I mean, I have a shepherd. I have, in my case, you know, I, I think Jesus is the one who's going to lead me in the right ways and lead me to happiness and lead me to have, living a productive life. Donald Trump has a shepherd. Did you know that? He does. I suspect he doesn't have a good shepherd. But he has a shepherd. He has something he's following, and maybe it's power and money. I don't know what it is. But he has something that he thinks is going to bring him to a good end in life and make, and make him happy. Everybody has a shepherd. Lady Gaga has a shepherd. I don't have a clue who her shepherd is, but she's got a shepherd. You see, because everybody has a shepherd. You have a shepherd. You have something in your life that you're following, some principle that you're following in your life, and you're thinking it's going to bring you, take you to a place of happiness and meaning. Everybody has a shepherd. 
but not everybody has a good shepherd. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Now, bottom line decision that every single person has to make is, does the shepherd that I'm following, whatever it is, whether it's power, money, my friends, you know, whatever it, ha- whatever it is, maybe you're your own shepherd, does it know where it's going? Because the good shepherd, if you read down through, you know, walks with you when, you when you hit the dark valleys. It helps you to make decisions when things get difficult. It prepares the way ahead of you. This shepherd, you know, is the one who pours good things on your life, anoints your head, and allows you to have love and goodness that follows you through your life and, and knows the way home. So it's just really important to know which shepherd that you're following, okay? Um, now, what this all boils down to is that we have a bent within us, okay, that leads us off the track. That's the problem. Like, anybody notice this? Like, you're trying to steer your life through stuff, you know, and then, and then you realize that, you're like, it's pulling you toward the ditch, you know? Like, I want to go here, but I'm heading towards the ditch. Anybody? Am I the only one? Am I up here in my underwear? Everybody experiences that, right? Then you have Satan, and his goal is to deceive you. And I want to tell you what is at the core of deception here, and I, I don't know what I'm driving here. Okay, here's, it's the confusion between pleasure and happiness. And I'm telling you, that is a problem. Because when you aim your life at play, let's, let's, let me just say it like this, okay? You're, you're in university. Now, what's the point of being in the university? Anybody know? How many of you think it's to party and have a good time? Okay? Just max out on that. You wouldn't raise your hand anyways, but that's some of you what you, what you really think, okay? But the point of university is supposedly to get an education. And then once you get an education, to do well on your grades, you know, and then to actually get a job when you get out at some point. That's less likely now than it was back then, okay? But that's the point. Now, so, so you're tempted, and, and you know you got a big exam the next day. And so you're thinking, so I know I need to study, because this exam is going to be hard. I know this prof. But my friends have a game going on, you know. Or my friends are going to go out for a drink, or whatever it is you're thinking about. And so you've got this thing. Am I going to just enjoy the pleasure of being with my friends, which is always fun? Or am I going to study? That's work. So the happiness that you're aiming at of actually having a job is a little further out there. And the temptation when you're faced with pleasure is to think, well, I could probably do that tomorrow. Or I could probably do that next week. And that's the problem is it keeps getting put off, okay? Uh, Let me show you kind of how the metrics go on this. Pleasure over time becomes kind of a pathway that you're on. And so happiness, let's say it starts down here, because there is, you know, at the front end, when you're planning happiness, it's, it's not necessarily fun and games. But you know what you're aiming for, and so you, and so you take this path knowing there's going to be happiness. Pleasure starts out higher, but I'm telling you, there's a problem. And the problem, as you know, with all pleasure, is the, di- the whole thing of diminishing returns. First, it's half a glass, and then it's a whole glass, and then it's like two glasses, and then it's three glasses, and before long, you know, you're swearing at people and, you know, and raising hell, and, and, you know, and then you're breathing into a tube, you know, to kind of figure out how much you've got in you, and then, and then you've got your mug shot taken. 
Now, that's not very much fun, but I'm telling you, you stay on the pleasure pathway, and that becomes the point of your life, thinking it's going to lead to happiness. What it leads to is it leads to slavery. That's what it does. Um, and, 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 that is, and that is a problem because we get the two mixed up, pleasure and happiness mixed up. And, and here's the deal. Happiness leads to pleasure. If you, if you take what Jesus is saying here about happiness, it, it ultimately leads to pleasure. But I'm telling you, pleasure does not lead to happiness. And that's the mistake we make. In fact, if you aim at pleasure, it will steal your happiness. It will sabotage your happiness. Because aiming at pleasure ultimately leads to slavery. So pursuing pleasure, it, you know, when you pursue pleasure, what happens is it becomes, a, it becomes a slave driver. Listen to what this says. This is found in Romans. It says, don't you know? In other words, duh, aren't you getting it? Pick up the clue phone. It's for you. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, what happens is when you choose something over and over and over and over and over again, it rings the doorbell and you run to the door, rings the doorbell, you run to the door, rings the doorbell and you run to the door, it leads to slavery. And eventually, what you once sought as, as slavery, you want to see the mother of all hooks? I got this hook. <laughs> cost me 15 bucks, but I got this hook. And you know what they use these for? They use these for catching alligators. Have you ever watched uh, swamp people? And what they'll do is they'll hang this thing up by a rope in a tree and put a dead chicken on it, a rotten chicken on it. And then what happens is that this alligator uh, will jump up, grab this thing, and of course get this in its mouth. Now the point of this thing is sharp, but I want to tell you what the real problem is with any hook. It's this thing here. Anybody know what that's called? It's called a barb. It's not a Barbara, it's a barb, okay? And what happens is you get this thing stuck in you. If you've ever had a hook stuck in you, like you can jab yourself with a hook. You get, you get the barb into you, and I'm telling you, it's a whole different story. You know what you have to do? You have to run the thing the whole way through and then clip it off. That's the only way to get it out. Either that or you're going to rip a big hole, and it's going to be a lot more painful. And you see, that's the thing. That's what happens to us. You know, we see the pleasure, you know, and it's floating by, you know, we don't even think, whoa, ah, you know, we go after it and we get stuck and we get hauled in, you know, and if you're an alligator, you're going to be somebody's boots or purse or something like that, right? You don't want to be that, that's for sure. And the invitation that Jesus gives is basically, rather than offering yourself as slaves to stuff, rather than offering yourself as slaves to sex, Rather than offering yourselves as slaves to alcohol or power or something else, why not offer yourself to God? Because he's the good shepherd. And this gets back to Jesus' main imagery of, of planting and growing and harvesting. In Jesus' last message to his disciples, what he says, and I, okay, he says, my plan for you is that you bear fruit. My plan is that you bear fruit, and not just a little bit, like not just a little sour apple that's hanging out there on your limb. I want you to bear good fruit, and I want you to bear lots of fruit. That's the plan. 
Now, think about fruit for just a minute. Anybody here ever known somebody and they threw an apple out their window and stuff and, and opened up the window in the morning, bam, there's a tree, an apple tree, you know, and you've got hundreds of apples on this tree. Takes anywhere between six and 10 years once you plant an apple tree to get any apples off of it. And what happens is that we sometimes then, that's why we jump for pleasure. Because we think to ourselves, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> this, goes, this is going to get faster. I'm going to get my hit. And here's the problem is when we, get, when we get into this whole pattern of pursuing pleasure and then finding unhappiness, you know what hap- unhappiness drives us to do? To try and anesthetize it. And then we get ourselves in deeper. And I got to get out of this, you know, because we become impatient. I, I can't stand being this unhappy. And then we go for it again. And we're even more unhappy. And it just becomes the cycle that we, you know, that we find ourselves in. And Jesus basically says, if you plant better, you'll harvest better, and you'll feel better. But if you want to go for it right away, like if you just say, I got to feel good right now, you know, give me my fix. You know, when I was, so I told you about the chin, right? So I, I got home, and I'm working at this, at this uh, place called St. Joe's Lead. And so I'm working there every day, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to diet because I want to lose this extra punch that I've gotten, you know. So I diet, and everybody else is eating, you know, toast with peanut butter on it and stuff like this, and I'm salivating and drooling onto the equipment and so on. Because so I, I, this stuff looks so good, you know, and so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, you know, get through this and so on. So you know what actually happened that caused me to lose the weight? A ruptured appendix. I lost the weight. So anyways, I'm in all this pain and so on. I go into the hospital emergency room and this doctor, you know, he comes, surgeon comes along, he puts his hand on my, he says, ah, you got a ruptured appendix. And so they gave me a shot of Demerol. Anybody ever had Demerol? This is an opioid, okay? So apart from making your lips stick to the teeth, you know, it actually works. And so I'm feeling great. Man, I could have walked right out of the hospital, you know. But they said to me, no, 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 no. You got to go in for surgery. So I went for surgery, you know, and I came out with holes in me and drains coming out of me and ended up in, you know, in uh, intensive care for a while and so on. And, you know, the drip, actually the drip that they put in, you know, the needle they put in your arm, that was the worst part of the whole thing. So I lost the weight. But, you know, it wasn't the instant road to happiness that, you know, that the Demerol was. But eventually it got to happiness, because happiness, you see, is about being whole. And it's about being healthy. That's what God wants for you. So Jesus did this all through his life. Remember, he, he came to his disciples, Andrew and, and Peter, and they're down by the sea and stuff, and they're washing the, the slime out of their nets from the fish and stuff. And he goes up, and he says, why don't you follow me? And then James and John they're down there in the shore, and they're washing the slime out of their nets. And he says, why don't you follow me? Comes to Matthew. Matthew's is his little tax collection booth and stuff, and he's, he's getting more money. Because you see, his new God was money. Because he decided to throw away his old God in favor of the Roman Empire making money. And Jesus said, why don't you follow me? Why don't you follow me? Simon you know, remember the terrorist? The only, you know, Roman is a, only good Roman is a dead Roman. He says, I, there's something better than killing other people. Why don't you follow me? Kind of the final picture of this 
is Jesus. Remember at the very end, and, and Peter, you know, has failed and, and gone off the rails and so on, feels really bad. And so Jesus meets him out on the beach and, and so on. So Peter's out there, and he gets this big boatload of fish. Now, you have to understand, for a fisherman, this is like, this is good news. And these are not just, you know, a lot of fish. These are big fish. They make that clear. You know, John makes that clear in the text. These are big fish. And Jesus comes up to Peter, and he asks him this question. He says, do you love me more than these? Like, what's your plan for your life, Peter? Are you hoping that because you've known me and, and seen some of the things I do, that you're just going to end up with a big boatload of fish every day and stuff, and that'll, that'll, float you, that'll you know, keep you going in life, that you're just going to have a whole bunch of fish? What's your, what's your plan? He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And that's the plan. He did something even better. He sent the Spirit of God into people's hearts and lives so that they would have a shot at bearing really good fruit. Very interesting, isn't it, that the, that the early Christian symbol was the sign of the fish, Ichthus, and then Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. But this is, what, this is what God builds into our lives. Love, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And it's very interesting. You know what the next quality is? It's the quality that every good person who plants has to have. It's called patience. Patience. Don't get impatient in this process. Because if you do, it's not going to lead to someplace good. Now you can run after pleasure if you want. That's, that's your choice. You have to decide what you're going to do about that. But I'm telling you that it is not the way to happiness. That's what's clear. Jesus told this to a group of people who thought they were doing just fine. He said, what I'm about to tell you is true. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave has no lasting place in the family, but a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free. And it could be that you've gotten yourself tangled up in something that you thought was going to lead to pleasure. That he can set you free. Alternative. Um, you know how they used to do experiments on rats, you know, and they would have cocaine that would go to them. And it's possible to get into some kind of a pattern in life where you're like a rat with a needle in its brain. Where you're going for the pleasure fix. What do I need to be happy? What's going to make me feel better? I'm so unhappy. I'm so desperate. What's going to make me feel better? And, you know, and instead of finding freedom, like you're going for the hit. And that's no way to live. That's no way to live. See, because we have a lot of people that are part of our lives. And you can do a lot of damage in a very short period of time. And this morning as we close, I want to ask you a tough question. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands. This is a private moment. But I just want you to answer this question as honestly as you can. Jesus said, only a thief comes to steal to steal what's good in your life, to kill, to kill off your relationships, and to ultimately destroy your life. Only a thief does that. And I want to ask you, are you the thief that's doing this? Are you the thief that's doing this in your own life? It's not necessarily pleasure. It's not necessarily some, something illegal, you know. 
Remember the thing with Breaking Bad? Anybody ever watched that series or any part of it? Anybody ever watch that? So you've got Walt, you know, and he's got cancer. And uh, so he thinks he's going to die and he's got to provide for his kids and stuff. And because he's a chemist, he knows how to, you know, make, you know, crystal meth and do a really good job of it and so on. And, you know, you watch the show and apart from some fear, it looks like it's working for a while. But then it's really interesting because the cancer goes into remission, but he doesn't. You get into, out into seasons four and five and whatever, you know, and he, you see him as one miserable person who's lost his family and everything else. That's, that's kind of a, a parody of this and so on. But I'm just saying, if you, if you get on the pleasure track, you will lose more than you would ever dream that you would because it will become the thing that chains you and enslaves you. And it could be that, you know, right now, like you're, like not only are you answering the door every time the doorbell rings, and it's not, you know, you're, like you're looking out the window waiting for it to come because that's eventually where you end up. Jesus said, and we're going to study this later on, he said that there are times in your life where you have to do radical surgery if you want to save your life. And he said, you know, it's better to live on with only one hand than to, you know, than to go into hell with two. And I'm, I don't think he's saying that it's going to lead you to hell, but it will lead you to one hell of a life, I'll tell you, if you stay stuck on pleasure. And here's, here's the truth, and I'm speaking to guys, because <laughs> I am one. We don't do really good with just cutting back a little. We don't. What do you want? What do you want? Because if you want happiness, you need to plant that with your life. And if you're unhappy, I'm telling you, pleasure does not offer you a pathway out of it. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just thank you so much that you've warned us about this stuff. Sometimes it comes as a surprise. Sometimes it comes as a surprise when we experience it. Sometimes it comes as a surprise when we hear it. And we'd rather hear the surprise than experience it. And I pray, God, I pray for everyone here who's here. I have no idea who I'm talking to, but I know that uh, you know our hearts and you know where we find ourselves. And you know the pain, you know the things that, God, we stare at the ceiling at night and feel so stupid over. And I pray that you will lead us to life. You're the good shepherd. You're the only shepherd who would lay down his life for us. And I pray that you would give us the grace to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.